0: Essentially, most people that serve in the military would say the reason why they're doing so, besides the free college and all the, and all the honor and everything else that you get nowadays, but for most people that have fallen in war, they would say they are giving their life for the country to preserve or promote freedom. To stand behind the value of our country, to be willing to give their lives for freedom. I heard an interesting thing on the radio the other day. And one of the guys on the radio had stated... That he wasn't sure that if all the people that had died in the past to preserve the freedom of our country would see what our country has become today, if they would be willing to make the same sacrifice. And the guy on the program next to him said, that's ridiculous. You want to know why? Because of course they would. Because regardless if we like what's going on in our country or we don't like what's going on in our country, the reason why it's going on is because we have the freedom to believe different things and to act on those beliefs. So it's ridiculous to even question whether they would or not. So Whenever it comes to this idea of freedom and community and all these different things, I think it's important for us to see the bigger picture and then narrow that down to what it means to be a community in church. For most Christians, church has a lot of different meanings. But for some, people search for friendship at church. Maybe you're a person that doesn't have a lot of friends. Maybe you've been around church your whole life from this big, and that's where you've just learned where friendship is. But for most people, for a lot of people that join church, part of what they're looking for is some sort of camaraderie, some sort of friendship, some sort of unity they can get with other people at the church. And to be honest with you, this is because human beings are relational creatures. For the most part, human beings feel empty. If there's not some sort of, whether it's familiar or people down the street or within a community locally, people feel weird, people seem out of context if they don't have that human connection. Therefore, a great Sunday worship experience or a great evangelistic event oftentimes will be exciting, but very rarely is enough for a Christian to grow in faith and to truly latch into what a church is trying to do. They need to develop relationships with people in that community. I mean, who wants to be attending a church where nobody really knows who you are? I mean, for the most part, there are people that go to churches, and they're huge churches, and they sit in the back, and they kind of hope that nobody's going to talk to them. But even them, after being there for a long period of time, if nobody acknowledges them, if nobody says hello to them, if nobody starts to recognize the fact that they're there, oftentimes they will leave and go look for another church, even though that was their plan in the first place. So ultimately, who wants to go to a church where nobody really knows who, who you are? Who wants to keep leaving church every day without someone saying hello? Who wants to come in in the morning without someone without having a connection with somebody going, "Hey, how's the kids or hey, how's work?" Who wants to not leave church at the end of the day and have someone to discuss work with or to talk about the game or to talk about politics or whatever. They, everybody when they come to church kind of wants that. We crave these relationships. And this is part of the reason why people that attend church crave and search for, look for, friendships in church. You see, friends are people who can find compatibility, if you will, or, or commonality with another person. They're individuals whom can relax, who you can relax with, who you can be yourself with, who you're not necessarily afraid of what they're going to say. These are who we would consider friends. They're individuals who we think we can trust or they're the type of people that you can talk to or grab a bite to eat with or just hang out with. Research statistics have said that Christians more or less think if they can find two or three people within a church, regardless of the size of the congregation, but two or three people like this, that they can kind of find commonality with, then they consider themselves kind of set at church. We're good. We're good. I don't need to really learn to meet anybody else because that can be uncomfortable. I got these couple of people. I have my own little family group at church. And I think that's oftentimes why when Christians happen to to find such friends at a church, they often don't feel the need to, to reach out. To, to meet anybody else, to to open their arms to, to visitors, or, or join a small group or a community group, or attend other fellowship events that maybe their friends from the church aren't going to be at, or try to meet new people or other people from other churches. I've already got my friends. I'm good. I don't need to fill that coffer. I'm fine. But the one thing I'm starting to realize, and I think it's very apparent in Scripture, is that when it comes to church friendships just aren't enough they're not it can be fun it can be nice to have friends but friendships just aren't enough christians who only have a few friends at church will slowly end up struggling in their faith and i think the reason why is because we're supposed to find more than just friends at church we're supposed to find community Last week we looked at what community was. This week we're going to talk about why. Why do we need community? And to be honest with you, there's certain things within friendship that there's benefits to. And we already talked, there's this idea of feeling comfortable. There's this idea of feeling together. But there's certain limitations to those friendships as well. Friendships are nice to have at church because they make us feel comfortable. There it is. Maybe you guys have felt this in school, high school, middle school, maybe even in college. You have a new class, a new day, you go walking in, and there's a little party that's all uptight and nervous, right? Yeah? Or maybe you have to go to the the DMV, or maybe you have to go anywhere. There's going to be a big group of people, and you come walking through the door, and there's just this anxiety that kind of comes over you, going, I just really don't like this situation. Then from across the room, you see a friend. And all of a sudden, there's something that comes over you where you kind of calm down all of a sudden, and you make a beeline for that friend. Right? Absolutely. Whether it's out in public, or whether it's in a class, or whatever the case may be, there's something about that that when we see a friend in the distance, we get a little bit more comfortable. And the reason why is because when we see that friend, there's something about finding a friend in a large group of people that validates us as a person all of a sudden. All of a sudden we don't have to wonder if I'm weird or if people are looking at me. All of a sudden we don't have to wonder all these things that end up being fears that kind of overtake our emotions because we have a friend and they like us, so we're good. And oftentimes this is exactly what happens in church. I can go to that church because I have friends that go there. I go to that church because those people think there's value in me regardless of what the church thinks. So I'm in. makes us feel relaxed our self-consciousness goes away because we feel validated so this is what friendships do do for us in church and there's a benefit there they make us feel comfortable on sundays because we have a few individuals who knows us and can validate our existence therefore we can relax we can be ourselves we can speak from personal experience And it's a huge blessing to have friends in church. It's nice to know that when service ends, we don't have to sit awkwardly by ourselves in the corner and hope someone comes up and says hello to us. That's why so many people don't like going to new churches. Both sides of it. Either everybody's going to come up to me and say hi, and it's going to be crazy weird, or nobody's going to say anything to me at all, and that's going to be crazy weird too. Because we don't like to feel awkward. But as great friendships are, as great as they are in church, they're not enough. And here's why. I don't think they were ever meant to be enough. Perhaps this is why the Bible never describes Christians as a band of friends. Isn't it amazing? The word actually existed back then. The idea of having acquaintances or friends existed. But we don't see the word friends ever being used to describe who the body of Christians are supposed to be. Isn't that weird? I kind of think it's weird. That's because the church isn't meant to be a place where you primarily find comfort in one another. It's meant to be an arena where God sanctifies you through the practice of biblical one another one anotherness. That's a fun word. Author Brett McCracken says this, we should never look for a church that will change to fit us. We should always look for one where we will be changed to better represent Christ. But if essentially what we're looking for is just friendship, then that's not going to work for us. But in order for this to happen, this this changing of ourselves to be more representative of Christ, we need more than friendship at church. We need a community. And this involves more than simply talking to or getting to know or becoming acquainted with two to three individuals every Sunday. So here's something that community provides that friendships just can't provide. I'm looking, there they are. I was going to say, that uh, song my wife played there got got my eyes all watering and now everything is moving and shaking up here. Now here's some benefits of community over friendship. Now I'm not saying that friendships can't or don't sanctify us in some ways or another. I've heard and I've known of friendships and I've even had friendships where I'll tell you what if you're stepping out of line or you're doing something you shouldn't be doing oftentimes your friend is the first person to come up and go knock it off that's not the way we're supposed to be doing things but they certainly can be those sanctifying experiences but there's something different about having a community a community is a diverse group of people at a church whom you aren't necessarily compatible with But, still, constantly share life together. When you find community like this, there are a couple things that can happen to you that end up being really good things. And amazingly enough, there's a lot of stuff in Scripture that kind of goes right along with it. If you want to follow along the rest of the sermon with us in Scripture, we'll be going through Romans 12 about most of it. and we get a little rubric of what God's talking about. The first thing that community can bring us that oftentimes friendship cannot is that it'll help us to grow out of our self-absorption. It'll help us grow out of our own personal selfishness. Romans 12, 1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I absolutely love this section of Scripture, this, this verse, because oftentimes when we hear the word worship, what do we think about Singing, right? Singing, dancing, having a good time. But we look at this section of Scripture, and it is is very much a part of our Christian existence, as this says, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We worship God by being sacrificial to the people around us. That blows my mind. Oftentimes when friendships, there, are, there is some selflessness that comes. But I don't know about you guys, but most of my friends in the past, there's kind of a little bit of a selfishness to my friendship. Right? Maybe I, I like hanging well A lot of times we'll say, oh, I, I'll do anything for those guys. I'll take my shirt off my back for those guys. But maybe I just like hanging out with them a little bit. Maybe it's because they play the same games I like to play. Maybe it's because they watch the same sports I like to play. Maybe it's because I'm kind of an argumentative person, and I just love watching the Michigan-Michigan State game with them because I know they're going to argue with me the whole time. (laughs) There's a selfish aspect of friendship where there shouldn't be in community holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Folks, we can't be self-absorbed and present ourselves a living sacrifice. In the book called The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis, he observes how the reason why we choose our friends isn't because of our draw to their humor or to their beauty, rather that they have a peculiar kind of humor or beauty that suits our personal taste in other words when it comes to human relationships we have a particular type of palate. we are drawn to certain types of people certain individuals and naturally repulsed by others anybody else ever experienced that anybody else ever went home and talked to their friend or talked to their spouse or talked to their mom and dad and be like i don't know what it is about that person but i just can't stand them nobody else not a couple of you a couple honest ones There's other people you meet, and you're like, I love them. I don't even know why, but they're just amazing. I love everything about that person. And that's on the lines of friendship, because as C.S. Lewis said, there's something in us that draws us to certain people, and there's certain certain things that push us away from things. We all have a few people in our lives also that we were initially repulsed by, but somewhere along the lines, we ended up weakening in that, and we ended up becoming friends with them too. Right? And then vice versa. There's people we really liked at first, and then we kind of went this way, and we're like, I'm really not a big fan anymore. And that's one of the things that good friendships can bring because it can help us grow in those things. But, according to Lewis, when we find ourselves doing this, we're learning to grow in our palate or lack in our palate. You're not just appreciating individuals that suit your preferences anymore, but learning to appreciate individuals for who they are, And then their own selves. In other words, you're growing out of your self-absorption. And this this can't happen whenever we just have a small group of two or three friends hanging out all the time. The next thing we can do, and the community brings us, is this. You'll often become more open-minded. Carrying on in Romans 12, verse 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, and each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. One thing I notice about people at church who only hang out in the same two to three people or in small groups of people is that they have a tendency over time to get kind of pessimistic about life. I know in church we often throw around the word clicks. It's not just a church thing. I mean, high school, college, church, different different social groups, whether it's like gun clubs or or whatever, we, we throw this word clicks around. And what oftentimes that means is a group of people that get together, that shun outsiders, think themselves selves are really something important, right? And oftentimes make, kind of make idiots of themselves, to be honest. But one of the characteristics of that that usually stands out is the fact that they won't let me in their group. But the fact of the matter is, is as these groups form, There's a couple things that usually happen. One, people start to think pretty highly of themselves. And two, they get real pessimistic of everything that's not in their group. Are you with me? We've all experienced this before, have we not? We've all experienced whenever people get to a certain age in their life, And they're not around people and they're they're home alone or they're home with one other person most of their life. They have a tendency to get real negative about life and real negative about the country and real negative about the economy and real negative about everything. Do they not? It's strange. You'd think since they surround themselves with people that are alike or they surround themselves with only the people they choose to be around that they would be more happy. Doesn't that make more sense? But just try to engage in a conversation with a click or a cliche group like this, and you'll sense this negative aura around the entire group. Why does this happen? Social psychologists call this attitude polarization. There's actually a name for it, and it's actually been researched, believe it or not which takes place when individuals only spend time with people who are similar to them. What eventually happens is they feel convinced that their way of viewing the world is the correct way and the only correct way. So over time, their attitudes toward different ideas and people become more and more negative and more and more removed then those same ideals, and this is the crazy thing, those same ideals that, became, that they became convinced about, the things they're convinced they were right about, eventually get turned on the same group of people they're involved with, the same group of friends that they helped them to d- develop this group of beliefs, and that they surround themselves with, and they end up becoming negative at the whole entire group because after spending so much time in the group that thinks they're so much better than everybody else well then I must be better than the group and folks this is where friendship often leads close friendships we see happen if there's not some other purpose for getting together and and mixing it up a bit and then the sad thing is, especially as Christians, we end up in this really weird place where as new people in our church or new people in our lives to spend time with, and, and we spend time with old church friends, we, we, what happens is, is we end up getting to a place where we keep the church right here at an arm's distance. We keep the people that we love right here at this arm's distance. And we keep the world right over here at this arm's distance because we're the church and we shouldn't be part of the world. And what happens is we find ourselves in a place where we're right in the middle and we can't be happy in church. We can't be happy in the world. We can't be happy with Christian friends. We can't be happy with worldly friends. And we end up miserable about everything, feeling like we're trapped and we have nowhere to go. Miserable, no matter where we are. But in community, Remember we said community has a diverse group of people. But in community, you're constantly forced to confront all types of people, all types of ideas, all types of personalities. And whenever you're confronted with this constant assortment of ideas and thoughts, it breaks this idea apart. And if God wants us to be in community with each other, then there's part of us that needs to resist that very selfish, very easy isolating of ourselves. It's funny, there's churches that have this built into their identity. There's churches that will come to you and say, listen, we are supposed to be separated for Christ, and they on purposely take their group of people and isolate it off from the entire world. Ignoring verses like, hey, whenever I say not to be around him, I'm not talking about the world because if I said that, where would you ever go? And end up bitter and end up negative and end up overly judgmental because God wants community, not friendship. The third thing it'll help us with is you experience a refreshing diversity of gifts. Verse 3 says this starting about halfway through, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned, bringing this idea that everybody has a different measure of faith, that everybody's not 100 percenters and everybody's not zero percenters, that there's a diversity of the measure of faith that each one of us possess. Our willingness to act on God, there's a diversity in that group. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one that contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. And the one who acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is a beautiful section of Scripture because it lines out the fact that the body of Christ should be an unbelievably diverse group of people. There should be people that are willing to lead and do it excitedly. There's people that should be willing to teach and do it with all the gifts that God has given. There's people in the church that should be merciful and be mercy and do acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There's those that that exhort, lift up to encourage one another, to push one another. Those that give and give generously. There's this whole group and it's laid out here that we are given gifts and we should be acting in those gifts even if we're different. It makes the body beautiful. How many times have we been in a place in church where because somebody wasn't living their Christian life like us or because somebody wasn't giving generously like we were or because somebody wasn't serving or leading or teaching, we have a tendency to get frustrated and angry. I always find it interesting whenever church people spend very little of their lives together but they get angry about what a person does because who knows what's going on during the course of the week folks community is diversity and that diversity brings more gifts to be used for the purpose of Christ it's kind of funny I've said this before and I think people laughed at me and I still don't think they believe me but as an introverted I call myself middle aged now an introverted middle aged man that's weird there's a propensity in me that would just like to stay home, just like to stay home, throw a movie in, shut the phone off, just let the world do its thing. I'll take care of mine, you take care of yours, and leave me alone. A couple of people are like, preach, brother. I was, you know, <laughs> there's more head knocking during, nodding during that than the whole rest of the server. Like, yeah. But as this introverted person, there's part of me that just wants to stay home and wants to not be part of a bigger picture. But what's interesting is that while I'm definitely not most comfortable in crazy situations where there's tons of people and being the person that charges forth and challenges people's gifts and diversities, I feel most alive when I'm spending time with a more diverse group of people. I do. There's an excitement, even though I'm an introvert, there's an excitement that comes. I love going, like I, I came back from Nam because I was so excited, not just because I went to Nam, but because there was such a hugely diverse group of people there trying to all do the same thing. It was amazing. I don't know how many times I said to myself, you know, I told them, like, you're supposed to fill out this little thing and tell them how in the world they're supposed to make this whole experience better. Every time... I've gone there. I've said the exact same thing. I would love nothing more than a scheduled time to be set aside for the people that are there to just go to a room and just be able to openly share what's going on and to openly ask questions about what's going on in their ministry. Because I'll tell you what, I don't know about you guys and how your experiences were as working with a group and I know sometimes like high school, college, all these things make it really bad because usually there's like one person that wants to do the work and everybody else just wants to suck off of what they're doing. But whenever you have a group of people that are actually trying to solve a problem, a group of people that are actually moving in one direction, that actually have a common purpose, it's amazing the solutions that can come up. You might think you're smart and something comes out of the blue that you never even would have thought of. But I feel more alive in a diverse group of people. There's always a more interesting dynamic when girls are added to the mix or when guys are added to the mix. It always gets more interesting because there's a completely different viewpoint. It's fun whenever you put introverts and extroverts together. That's a blast. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before. But it's a hoot because this, this wild idea that something adventurous is about to happen is always in the air. And it's refreshing when you consistently spend time with people of different stages of life. Well, it's not always comfortable. It's not always the most ideal in your selfish side to be with these different types of people. You can only experience the body of Christ like this through a diverse community of the church. There's stuff all through Scripture that olders and younger should be together. Where we see all these times, Even considering the culture that, considering the culture that the Bible was written in, I'll tell you what, it was probably the most scandalous book in the world that there were times that women would speak up and then that was promoted as something to listen to. Considering the culture of the time, even it shows that men and women should be working on these solutions together. the next thing it does for us is it makes the gospel more central to our lives following in verse 9 in chapter 12 says this let love be genuine abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor do not be slothful in zeal Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but do associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give though... Oh, give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, I think this is amazing because there's a section, I don't know if you, you, you realize the shift right here, but all this stuff up here is still in the context of what you do as a group together. What you do as a community, what you do as a family. Okay? But then right here in 18, we go, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all so all of a sudden we have this thing where we're saying hey live together as a group do these things give yourselves to one another do love be genuine Abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another brotherly affection show outdo each other and showing honor and then there's this crazy transition that happens right here where we're doing all these things together we're loving each other we're, the gospel is central to our lives when we're together and then all of a sudden And if that happens, if we're doing these things, then all of a sudden it starts to happen to all. Continuing on from verse 18, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing... You will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Folks, being part of a community makes the gospel real to you. I've said this a lot of times from this pulpit that oftentimes when people struggle with wondering whether or not God is powerful, whether or not God is good, chances are if they're worried about that and they're having a hard time seeing that then they're not with community enough they're not with people enough they're too isolated because folks the only time you really get to see god work is when you have interactions with other people of course things can come your way you can have blessings and those are great but when you really start to see the power of god it's whenever you start to see hearts change in people. Whenever you see God start to move in people's lives, whenever you see God take a person that lived here and brings him to here and starts to bring him along a path that leads to holiness and righteousness, and you know there's no other way that could happen unless the Holy Spirit reached into his heart and grabbed it and started leading him by his heart. That's when you get to see the power of God work in people's lives, and that's when our faith grows. Living in community brings us to a place where the gospel becomes the center of our lives. Folks, and friendship can't do this. This section of this chapter, this is a description from God about what living in community looks like. His ideal. His perfect, it, per, purpose. It's unique it's special, it's different and it is impossible without the Holy Spirit and with other Christians rallying around us in community but when the only types of relationships that we have in church are loose associations and the vague familiarities due to natural similarities and what is comfortable to us There is nothing really unique about that. Nothing. There's nothing God honoring about that. So, the question, a couple questions I have to ask you here before we go is why? Why, brothers and sisters, are we going to church? Why is this what we've decided to settle on in church? There are plenty of leagues out there. There there are nightclubs. There's even apps nowadays that can get you the satisfaction of a superficial friendship. But relationships we find at church are supposed to be different. We're not united because of a personality or because of hobbies. We are united because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So why do we settle for this, this weak friendship whenever God calls us to a community that has no greater purpose? Ephesians 2.13-14 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of of hostility the gospel isn't seen when we're only hanging out with friends at church or when we're hanging out with them in another setting that's not when the gospel shows up it says he has broken down the dividing wall of hostility if he's broken down the wall of hostility then why do we want to keep it up If He's broken down the wall of hostility, then why do we choose our own comfort over Christian joy? God wants His light to shine from our church and from our lives. And if we want that to happen, if we want that light to shine from us, if we want that light to shine from our church, then we must choose Christian community. We must. People say the whole, well, people say the church as a whole is dying. I'm sure maybe you've heard this, different articles on the news, whatever. Churches are in decline. Membership is leaving. Churches are closing every day. The church is dying. The Bible says as long as there is true gospel-centered community, the church can never die. Folks, we need to push past our selfish discomforts and reach for community. Pastor Janie Dumlop writes this. He says that godly communities is seen in the relationships where you're you're only spending time together because you're Christians without any worldly explanation of your unity. And when the gospel is constantly central to your relationships with others, whenever you come together for the sake of the gospel, not just because it's fun, not just because it's a good time, but because we can find peace in the gospel, how can it not? become more central to your own life when you're separate from that group when it's reinforced in such a practical way like this how can the gospel not grow more real in our lives to you personally so in wrapping all this up it's not bad to have friends at church it's not friends can be a real blessing Friends can be fun. It's not bad to have friends at church. As a matter of fact, I would hope that you do have a few. If not, maybe we should talk. I'll be your friend. Pastors don't get to have a lot of friends, so take an application. (laughs) (laughs) But if all you have is a few friends at church, then chances are you're missing something. There's something in your life that is empty in the world of church. If you're the kind of person that all you know is some people at church, but you keep an arm's distance from the rest, maybe you really don't make an effort to spend time with a ton of people from church, or you don't make an effort to, to build new relationships at church, You really prefer some other people that have been your friends for a long time and just those people at church? Or or maybe you just like people you spent a long time with outside of church. And church is church. Friends are friends and it stays separate. Then I could probably make a few predictions about you. If those things describe you and who you are, that friendship is the the key to church, feeling good about yourself, or even, even to go as far as church just is what you do to get out and 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 you just your spouse or just your kids or whatever are your friends. A couple of predictions I could probably make is this. I can guess that your faith probably isn't as strong as it should be. It's probably not as strong as it should be and your involvement in church probably isn't as active as it needs to be. Pastor, how can you dare say that about me? You want to know why I can say this? Because... Faith doesn't grow without community. And if you don't have faith, you won't serve God. The Bible tells us faith faith without works is dead for a reason because, folks, we won't serve God in an active way if we don't have faith. We won't have faith unless we see God working. We won't see God working unless we're in community. Another prediction I could probably make. Another prediction I can probably make is if that's you, then chances are you have a propensity to be over-negative about church. You have a tendency to be over-negative about the people that go to church. You have a propensity to be over-negative about church as a whole. Because as we saw, as we, as we separate ourselves into groups and we don't buy into what Christ has for us, we have a tendency to to get very self-absorbed and very prideful. Maybe this describes you, maybe it doesn't. But I'll tell you what, I, I almost did something. One time I had a pastor say, if you're sitting in church like this, then chances are you got a problem. I almost did it. it made me so uncomfortable, so I, I won't. It did. I'm like, dude, I was like here every day last week. You know what I mean? Like, get off my back. Um... But if you're the person that sits in church and oftentimes listens to everything the pastor says or what the worship team does, you sit back and go, well, why did they do that? Well, why did they do that? Why did he say that? I don't think he really meant... I don't think the Bible really... Said, and that's the narration that runs through your head. Then, folks, that is not God talking to you. Don't think that somehow that God is whispering into your ear and you are the great and shining light that has been sent here to somehow fix the church because you'll never have the faith to act on it and all you'll do is get more and more negative anyway. Because that's not the voice of God. That's the voice of a selfish soul aided by the whispering of the devil. And all that's because it's nice to have friendships in church. Friendships that are at church, but they are not enough. They're not. God gave you church so that you would have more than God gave you church so you would have family. God gave you church because he wants you to have community. Community protects us. It guides us. It rebukes us when we go astray. And it calls us home when we've been whooped. God wants community. And here's the thing about being part of a community. It's hard. It can be brutal at times. You're interacting with people that are so different and unappealing and even weird sometimes that it'll often break you down. It's difficult. But at some point, you'll probably even find yourself bickering with someone or fighting with somebody. You may come home sometimes after spending time with somebody from church wondering, was that really worth it? Why in the world did I even waste my time doing that? That was crazy. But it's always worth it. It always is. I think the more, I think more than friendship, we have church. God intends us to use community to grow us out of our old selves, to grow us into our new identity and we are meant to have it in Christ. That's because there are a few things that only rich, healthy, diverse community can change in us. And that's why people who have only friends at church are likely to get comfortable on Sundays but hardly ever grow in faith and in love we need community for this. Let's pray Lord God help us to seek community Lord, help us to see that there's more than just getting what we want. Help us to see that there's more than just collecting our friends or collecting our our worldly possessions, collecting knowledge, that there's community. Lord, just about everybody in this room has been raised during the American Dream era. the era where a nice house, a couple of kids, and most ironically, a white picket fence. were part of the ideal. Lord, help us to see that your ideal, your identity for us is without fences. Help us to see, Lord, that community is more than just acquaintances. It's more than just Knowing a little bit about each other, it's more than just friendship. That community is all encompassing, all embracing, and all guided through the power of you and your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you to weigh on each one of our hearts here today, it would start to convict us about this idea of community. It would start to show us in our lives the area where we choose selfishness over choosing to unify with the body of Christ over over all the things we do, and and all the things we do, Lord, I ask You to start to break our hearts about this idea and show us where our selfishness reigns supreme. Because, Lord, we cannot be Your church. We cannot be Your body until we're ready to embrace community. Lord, I ask You to help us, to show us, to guide us, to break us down, Lord, and take those barriers. And lay them asunder. Be with us, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.